Hello, and welcome to Unknowable, the podcast where we talk about all things mysterious, unusual, or unknowable. I'm Justine. And I'm Gray. This week, we are talking about the Tiger King, Don Lewis. <laughs> so, like, if you need proof that Gray has not watched the Tiger King, that's no. it right there. I have not watched the Tiger King. I have absorbed some things through social media. But other than that, I only know about this based on research for this episode. So, I'm coming in clean. You've definitely watched this. You know the facts. Uh, yeah. We watched The Tiger King in the span of, like, three days. Jesus. It was actually one of those things where, so, being isolating at home lately right. um, has meant that I have actually kind of thrown more caution to the wind when it comes to watching things on TV because I've been doing a lot more of that. Right. So, typically, I would, like more click on things that I'd already watched or things that had like already been on my list of like, Oh, I want to check that out at some point. But I've actually found several really cool TV shows lately by literally just like Fuck something it. pops up on the screen and I, yeah, I'm just like, screw it. Why not? And I just start it. And then like, if it's bad after an episode, then I'm like, okay, next thing. Wow. But this was one of those things I had heard about it from like a handful of people just seen it on Facebook, like in the infancy of it. And so when it popped up on Netflix for the first time, I was like, screw it. <laughs> I have no idea what this is about, but I'm going to watch it. Nothing to lose. And yeah, it was a fucking roller coaster. <laughs> it's insane. It's only seven episodes. Right. Um, so it's like a documentary series. It's totally batshit crazy. Um, and so the documentary itself is more focused on... Uh, this guy who calls himself Joe Exotic, yeah. who is, yeah, Jesus. he ran like a zoo essentially down in uh, Oklahoma. And um, the topic of Carol Baskin and her husband, Don Lewis, came up because she runs um, a sanctuary in Florida. And her and Joe Exotic were like enemies right? Um, for a long, long time. And I won't spoil the documentary for anybody who hasn't seen it yet, because if you haven't seen it, you like need to go see it. Run, right don't now. walk. Although I haven't seen it, so yeah. I can't even say that. Yeah. Well, you need to as well. But yeah, so I won't tell what is up with them now, but um, she is a, a big subject in the documentary. So um, for anybody who doesn't know, hasn't watched, uh, basically in 1997, Don Lewis went missing. Yep. Um, he, his van was found at an airport about 40 miles from the exotic cat sanctuary that he ran with his wife, Carol, and no sign of him has been seen since. And he was declared dead in 2002. Dun, dun, dun. So that's the, the real short story. This is like a classic missing persons case. Right. Yeah. It's wild. Like, so coming into this with absolutely no, you know, no expectation of what I was going to read about. Sort of like, you know, you start, like, I, I guess I thought Don Lewis was going to be more of like a central character in that uh, Tiger King documentary. And it seems mm -hmm. like he factors in, but he's definitely not like the focus of it. So it was actually like almost kind of difficult to filter out all of like the, the Joe Exotic stuff and the uh, Carol Baskin stuff and just focus on just him. It, there doesn't seem like there's like a yeah. huge amount of like information about him out there. I actually had to go and find news articles that were written like in 1997 and 1998 in order to get kind of like clean information about just him that wasn't sort of like not tainted by the Tiger King documentary, but just kind of like colored by the Tiger King documentary. 
So mm. this was an interesting like unbiased. L- yeah, unbiased exactly. Um, yeah, and to kind of take the temperature of like what people were feeling like in '97 when he actually disappeared versus what people are feeling like now, because there's definitely kind of a um, you know an accepted and or like you know most likely outcome that we'll get to. Um, Mm-hmm. So it was interesting to read ones that were kind of like before all of that when it was still kind of open-ended. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting researching even. I, I kind of wish that I had watched Tiger King with the expectation that we would be doing this episode, but literally like we watched Tiger King and towards the end of it, like maybe with a couple episodes left was when I texted you guys to be like, yo, you need to watch this. And then we were kind of like, oh, what do we do for the next episode? And we were like, I was like, oh, shit, maybe we should do a missing person. And I wasn't even thinking him at first. But then I, after like 10 minutes, I was like, oh, shit, Don Lewis. Right. Like, we, I just watched this. This is perfect. Perfect. Um, probably maybe the only time we've ever done an episode that has actually been relevant. Yeah, this to, is like, super timely. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is, obviously, this didn't just happen. But with the documentary, this is like the first time we've ever synced something up this perfectly. Right. Um just riding that wave, you know? Yeah, man. Riding the wave, bruh. <laughs> Hashtag Tiger King. Oof. Oof. So. All right. Don Lewis. Businessman. Eccentric um, businessman. Eccentric businessman. Yeah. Not, like you said, not a ton available about him. Um, he spent much of his life kind of acquiring his vast wealth. Yep. Was a lot of what I found. Um, so, one of his daughters. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it's like it was super vague about how he made his his wealth too. So yeah. Which and a lot of people didn't really know how much wealth he really had. Yeah, it was like between this amount and this amount and it was like a pretty, you know, between 7 and 10 million dollars. That's a that's a pretty big gap. Oh yeah, even in Tiger King there were several people. At one point I think they literally like had a little short montage of like a few people who were estimating his wealth and it it ranged yeah from like four million to i think one person even estimated 20 million jesus which that's a pretty big big gap um yeah one of his daughters said that he quote he had the midas touch he could walk through cow droppings and come out smelling like a rose it's very poetic (laughs) yeah and in the documentary there's a a point where his daughters and his ex-wife gladys said something about how he had like a green thumb but for money Um, he could like always make find a way to make money off of anything Hmm. um so yeah in 1981 he had basically from what i read at least it said that he had already amassed a small fortune um through i guess what maybe you wouldn't expect uh trucking used cars and real estate is a little bit more normal right um he was married to his wife gladys and had three daughters and an adopted son he was driving alone one night and he spotted Carol apparently upset after a fight with her husband and walking barefoot along the street. Weird. Um, was this in Florida? And this was in Florida. Yep. Classic so Florida. interestingly, it was just a few people mentioned on Reddit. So, you know, you can take that with a grain of salt, but they were saying that the, the area that he apparently met her when he was like kind of driving around in his car and she was happened to be walking along the street was apparently an area that may have been known at the time for um, some prostitutes to frequent and Johns to frequent. Hmm. So some theorized even at this point that perhaps 
either he was not doing what he said or she was not doing what she said or both. Um, was he slowly driving around that area looking for someone to get in the car with him for other reasons? Was she walking along looking for yep. somebody or was it really just as innocent as it sounded? Hmm. Um, but yeah, she basically almost immediately, like I think one of the things I read said like the next day became the latest in a long line of Don Lewis girlfriends. Um, wow. His secretary of 18 years and McQueen, who is also featured in the documentary, uh, said, quote, I'm probably the only woman he never fooled around with. I used to say it was the only time in my life that I was glad I was short and fat. Wow. Yeah. That's so <laughs> does not bode well for his like character. Yeah, it, it does not so much. Um, so and weirdly enough, Carol's story of meeting him which she says in the documentary is essentially that yeah she's walking along she's upset had just had this big fight with her husband she's crying uh don pulls over the car and asks her to get in and talk and he says something along the lines of like how he had a gun on the passenger seat and she could hold the gun on him he just wanted to talk and so she's like yeah so i got in the car with him and like held the gun to him and we drove around and talked i was like and she like yeah, she like laughed about it, like, oh, it's like, like it was a cute meeting story, and I was like, that is super bizarre for both of you. Oh yeah, like the, the sort of like the theme of this whole story of Don Lewis is like things that people play off, like, oh, it was totally normal and like harmless and like kind of funny, but then when you like really think about what was happening, you're like, wait a second, like that's weird and dark and probably didn't actually happen that way, and like you're trying to spin something that was actually a whole lot less savory than you're trying to make it seem like that's like his whole life basically yeah oh yeah he kind of comes across as like yeah what some people would assume was like a very unassuming man but i think he had a much darker streak to him than maybe a lot of people even knew but then people like would admit right i don't know but that like that being your first time meeting somebody is like all right wild classic yeah. florida though. um classic yeah he was much older uh she was 20 and he was 42. Jesus. Um, yeah. And I guess a little background on Carol. She grew up poor. Um, she had married her husband that she was with at the time was a man that she had married who ended up being abusive. Um, and she had a daughter, Jamie with him. So I think she was definitely welcoming the escape of Don Lewis. Um, yeah, who knows what happened in that. I think she said in the documentary too, she like worded it as though like I went home with him that night or I like stayed over with him that night. Like there was some implication that like shit got romantic and or physical like very quickly. Right. Makes sense. Um, yeah. So she left her husband like four years later to be with Lewis. Although again, it's implied that they were together the whole time, but just still married for a while. Right. Um, yeah. So... His wealth grew substantially. She, I guess, began helping him buy and sell real estate in 84. Um, yeah, much of it tax delinquent properties he acquired at auction. Hmm. Yeah, says he was apparently very odd or smart, however you'd like to think of it, when it came to his wealth. Um, somebody gave the example of he always carried enough cash on him to purchase an airplane, but he shopped for clothes at garage sales. Excuse me? Like, <laughs> how? Okay, first of all. <laughs> Physically carrying that much money to buy an airplane. Yeah. That's a lot to of buy like an physical money. Right. How much does an airplane cost? Uh, I don't know. What? I like, don't know. 
got to be like in the hundreds of thousands. I had like, I would think, I don't really know. I've never bought an airplane personally, but. Personally. I mean, yeah, you might be surprised to know it, but I'm not an airplane expert. Right. That's your, Dang it. your disclaimer for the episode. Yeah. Not an airplane. Uh, there'll be other things that I'm not an expert at in this episode too. But yeah. first of all, not an airplane expert, but that's still, even if it was 10 grand, right. That's, that's a lot of money. That seems cheap for an airplane and that's a lot to be carrying. Right. Um, and yeah, when they married in 91, crazy, like 10 years after they met, um, the year after his divorce, he gave Carol a $14 wedding ring during a courthouse ceremony. Nice. $14. So, wow. 14. I know. Like, I'm like, okay, that was 91, but still like, that's still a pretty cheap ass ring. Oh yeah. He probably got it in like a gumball machine. Yeah. That's kind of wild. Um, and then shortly after he got Carol the ultimate present, a six month old bobcat she named Windsong. Uh, um, oh. <laughs> yeah. Which, I mean, who wouldn't want a wild cat for a gift? I keep forgetting that this is like a story about like wild cats. Like, yeah. it's all relatively like a normal disappearance. And then you just factor in all of like the big cat stuff. And it's like, oh, this is batshit crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, again, if you watch the documentary, every single person in the part of the reason it's such a wild ride is that every person in it is batshit. <laughs> yeah. Like, not even all like in a horrible way. Like they're not all bad people, but even yeah. like just everybody is equal amounts batshit. Like I think it must be a requirement to be in this particular industry or I don't know if you'd call it industry, whatever you'd call it in this particular business or like area of interest. I think it's just required that you be very eccentric. Right. Which I guess makes sense, but yeah, it's, it's fucking wild. So yeah, they have this Bobcat named Winsong they like fell in love with this cat. They like loved the concept of this. Um, and so within a few months, Carol and her daughter, Jamie drove to Minnesota to buy another six Bobcat kittens. Um, but when they get there, it's a fur farm. So she oh. says, quote, the guy had 56 kittens. We couldn't p- just pick out six and leave 50 to die. So we bought every one. See, the reason I haven't watched this documentary is because there's a lot of, <laughs> sad animal stories in it and yeah just the thought of like 50 poor little bobcats that are going to get skinned and turned into some tacky coat or handbag sucks hurts so at least i can but, give but them credit because she bought right them. i can give them credit for saving those bobcats i appreciate right? that yeah it's honestly so i've had a lot of people because i've been posting a lot of memes and things about it on instagram and a lot of people who haven't seen it have messaged me like is this worth watching? Like, should I get into this? And almost every one of them has cited what you just said. Like, I really don't like watching anything about cruelty to animals. Like, is there anything like that? And as much as you would think that this documentary would be focused on that. And I think that was maybe more the intention. um, There's really not much about the animals themselves. Like there's a little bit here and there about, some abuse and neglect, but like they don't show really much happening. It's not like, and they don't even really talk about it very much. It's like, it's really more focused on the characters, Hmm. the human characters. Um, So if anybody's listening or you are hesitating because you don't want to see like, you know, tigers being beaten, you're not going to there. Like there's a couple scenes. I think when like, um, I know there's a scene when I think Joe exotic himself gets not like attacked, but one of the cats, like, grabs onto his leg and he's a little bit 
mean, I think, like kicking the cat off of him, but he's also like trying not to get mauled. Right. Um, so there's a couple of things like that where you're just like, uh, but overall it, it really is so focused on the people that you don't see or hear a whole lot about the animals. Um, it's more like implied right. abuse, I guess. Like, you know that he's not taking great care of them, but they don't show that. Oh, that's good. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now they have 56 bobcats plus the one they already had. Um, so back at their home in Tampa. So I'm like, I'm trying to imagine this cause I'm like, they're just at their house with right. like 50 kittens. And in the documentary, I was like really pleased to see how tiny these kittens were. I thought they'd be way bigger, right. but they're still so small. Aww. So cute. Um, so yeah, they had family and friends scrambling to bottle feed these babies every two hours. Um, they started to like educate themselves on how to care for the animals. And then like basically in their research, they learned how shitty the whole thing can be, how, you know, a lot of these animals are abused and the horrors that they faced and the inhumane, you know, cages that they're in and all that stuff. So right. um, pretty soon Don was going to auctions across the country and bringing home quote, every abused dying maimed cat he could find. So this became like a thing. Wow. I mean, I appreciate them. his, you know, his commitment to like saving animals. That's good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like clearly had money and they had somehow like the, you know, means to like house these animals in some fashion anyways. Um, so yeah, eventually they have a collection of 200 cats of 17 species housed in a nonprofit sanctuary staffed by five full-time employees and more than a hundred volunteers. Jesus. Um, so that was opened in 1992 called Wildlife on Easy Street, uh, 40 acres of prime Tampa real estate. Huh. Um, yeah, to help offset the cost, they turned four cabins into a unique B&B where for 75 bucks a night, guests could get their choice of tamed bobcats, cougars, or servals as bedmates. Wow. How insane is that? That's, I can't even imagine. Wait, so like you could literally it like. It doesn't even seem safe. They would be in your room with you? That's like what it sounded like. That like literally, they you just get to hang out with them alone. Like that doesn't seem right. No, that seems wicked dangerous. Like I don't even know the implications of that for the animal themselves. But like that seems like I'd be really scared if I just had like a bobcat in my room. Yeah, like bobcats are dangerous, dude. Yeah, I don't know how to deal with that animal. Like, what if it started attacking me? I don't know what to do. Right. Dang. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, um, at some point, apparently they began disagreeing a bit on the direction of the sanctuary. Um, Carol was much more wanting to just collect these animals that were in danger, that were being harmed. She wanted to take care of them, but Dawn saw it more as an opportunity to breed the animals and make more money. Um, so the documentary itself is, it mostly focuses kind of on really on the, bashing of heads of Joe Exotic with Carol Baskin because Joe has a zoo. He breeds these cats, um, you know, has people come like his whole thing is having people come and like hold the babies and they focus on a few other zoo owners in the country too, but it obviously is mostly Joe Exotic is the tiger King that they're referring to. Right. Um, but he has like this massive thing with Carol where he fucking hates her and she hates him. Um, she's against him because he's, yeah, breeding these animals and there's a lot of questionable, like, you know, you have too many animals to care for. He, they show in the documentary him and his crew, like 
literally getting a truck full of expired meat from like Walmart dumpsters. And that's what they were feeding to the cats. Oh, Jesus. Um, shit like that. And also the workers were eating the meat too. Like they were talking about how they would pick through it and like they'd get first pick of the expired Walmart meat before the cats got it. So they could like take it back to their trailers. They lived in on the zoo property and the one guy was like really excited that he found some frozen chicken tenders that were like still frozen. Jesus. What? Like, yeah, what it was, the fuck, man? I know, like that. Excuse and me? By that point in the documentary, like watching these dudes in the back of this truck, like picking through the meat, I was barely even phased anymore. I was just like, of course that's happening. Right. Of course it is. Wow. Um, so yeah. And like the whole thing too was, it was debatable what some of these zoo owners do with these tigers and other cats when they get big enough that they don't have like the allure that the kittens do. Right. Um, it was like Joe exotic and one of the other zoo owners, um, this guy, doc Antle were being accused by people of like possibly euthanizing the older tigers because, you know, people are coming to see these kittens. They're paying money to, lay and have kittens all over them or to get pictures with them or whatever. Right. Um, and when it came down to it, like the older tigers, like you still have to pay to feed them every day. You have to take care of them. And if they aren't bringing in the money that the kittens are, then they just aren't for some people, they aren't worth it. Um, which obviously I do not advocate that stance. I would not feel that way, but yeah. So obviously Carol was not on board with the idea that Don maybe just wanted to breed them. She's very, at this point is very anti breeding because yeah, you're just, you're taking an endangered species and breeding it so that you can get its kittens to then just use for money. And there's a lot of like separation of the kittens from the parents and it's just terrible. Right. Um, also there was some talk about Don having like a wandering eye and having maybe uh, mistress in Costa Rica, a place where he frequented, they had some properties in Costa Rica and he went there a lot. Um, so, I mean, hmm. clearly he cheated on his wife with Carol. Right. Obviously. And it, I think there's some talk like that his ex-wife had that he possibly was never really super faithful. Um, again, Carol was like one in a long line of his girlfriends. So he was not happy with just one woman. We'll say. Right. It's gonna be a theme. Um, yeah. So Carol was suspected of being hungry for his money. There was talk of divorce, uh, rumors that Don was preparing his assets so he wouldn't lose everything if it came down to that. Um, apparently he gave his executive assistant Anne McQueen an envelope with paperwork in it with instructions for her to give it to the police if anything happened to him. See, um, that's not normal behavior. No, like that to me doesn't seem like something that happens if you don't think something might happen to you. Right. Like, I don't know. I feel like with some people, there can be a degree of that. If they just feel like they're very important and like people must be after me, that type of mentality of like, I'm a big deal. I don't know. Like you're hated in your community because you're like wealthy and successful or whatever. But I feel like this seemed a little bit more like there was an actual fear of a certain person. Right. Like, I feel like you could make the argument that it would be a good, you know, for anybody who makes above a certain amount of money, I guess, I guess you could say that that would be, but like, unless you had a specific person close to you that you were worried about killing you, I don't feel like you would have specific documents like that that you would put in a 
with a lawyer to like, oh, in case I die, have this happen. Because it's like if you're just generally worried about someone killing you, there's no reason for you to like give that to a lawyer. You know what I mean? Like the cops are going to look for that person, the, the stranger who killed you and you're assets or whatever aren't going to be in danger it's only if there's someone close to you who has threatened you or who makes you feel nervous that you would do that so just i'm just, set, I'm just setting up a theory right. here. setting up a theory well yeah so in the envelope part of it was a copy of a restraining order that he had filed against carol for threatening to kill him right um which and i guess he had a letter in there to Anne as well that mentioned that this was the second time that Carol had threatened to kill him. Um, a judge at the time had failed to find grounds for the injunction. Um, they cited free speech. Essentially Carol is free to say that she's going to kill him. She didn't actually try to kill him. So that seems strange. no reason. Yeah. I would not feel great if somebody threatened to kill me and it was like, well, they didn't actually try. So you're on your own, but hmm. Um, Carol, of course, maintains that she never threatened her husband and she had no idea that the injunction ever existed. Um, she said, quote, the worst thing I ever did was threaten to report him to the IRS. Hmm. So, um, August 18th, 1997, Don disappeared. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Carol said, last thing he said to her was that he was leaving, quote, early, early, early. That was like a big thing. Hmm. Um, in the documentary, they showed like, it was like a news clip maybe from like around that time when she said early, early, early. And then it showed her talking in the documentary and like quoted it the exact same way. Weird. He's leaving early, early, early the next day, uh, to transport cars to Costa Rica. She, yeah, he, there was like no communication from him. You know, it was like unusual that he wouldn't get in touch with her or with his daughters or somebody. Right. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly from the documentary, I think maybe one of the daughters talked to Carol and was like, have you heard from him and whatever. So she reported him missing the next day, August 19th. And then it was something like the 20th or the 21st. Um, his 1989 Dodge van was found at an airport 40 miles from the refuge with uh, his keys and his briefcase inside. Hmm. None of his credit cards were subsequently used. Uh, Carol hired a private eye and there was an extensive police investigation, um, including searches of the property he owned in Costa Rica. And there really wasn't anything uncovered regarding his disappearance. There was like, again, maybe some proof that he had some affairs, maybe some questionable business practices, but nothing about what happened to him. Right. So, uh, yeah, Carol ends up in a pretty nasty legal fight with his children over control of his business affairs and holdings, um, which at this point was estimated at more than 5 million. Right. Um, the daughters accused Carol of forging their father's will and power of attorney. Hmm. So supposedly there was originally a will and a power of attorney for both her and Don. So four things total, uh, with Anne McQueen, um, who was like the executive assistant, as executor of both, but McQueen claims that Carol cut the locks on the office and took the paperwork and changed power of attorney over to herself after he went missing. Um, and yes, yeah, so the daughters claimed that like Carol wanted to per like, she wanted to take all the money to care for the animals. Um, 
didn't want to give any money to them that they were entitled to. But Carol says they were only entitled to about a million in properties that belonged to Don before he married her. So essentially properties that she had nothing to do with. Okay. Um, hmm. Yeah. So the way that it all worked was that she wouldn't have access to that money. I guess, I think there was like small bits that she would get, but she wouldn't have access to like the full amount unless he was officially declared deceased, right. um, which can't happen until at least five years after somebody goes missing. And so five years and one day she had him, Declared legally dead. Jesus. Which is either wicked suspicious or like, you know, if you have this big, like if somebody that you, you know, loved and you started this whole business with um, was legitimately missing for that amount of time, I could see how you'd really want to, you know, have access to that money, especially if you need it to do stuff like run a tiger sanctuary, which I'm sure is not cheap to run. So. Well, right. It's, I, I feel like that is either innocuous or super suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Which like that's pretty much help. everything in this whole case is like, could be nothing, could be everything. Everything. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like definitely. Cause I think one of the things that I read, I don't remember exact numbers, but I remember the amount like per, I think it was per year that she was allowed to access was something like half of what she needed to run the sanctuary. Um, so when you look at it like that, it's like, okay, this money was technically theirs. Like this was property that they worked on together. Carol, I think like was highly involved in the acquiring and, you know, selling of these properties. And yeah, if they're in the middle of running the sanctuary together and then all of a sudden he's gone and it's like the money's cut off, then I could see that that would be frustrating too. And five years is a long time to have somebody just be gone with no trace. Right. So hmm. yeah, on one hand I could see that that seems really cold just to be like, okay, it's been five years. Like he's dead. Great. Right. Like two but, a day or one day after. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> like I'm like, did she just have like that on the calendar? She's like, okay, yes. All right. It's time. It's been, it's been exactly five years. Like better wait another day just to make it not suspicious. Wow. Just one more 24 hours. But yeah, so um, she supposedly took assets out of his ex-wife's and children's names and put them into her own. Um, but Carol's story is that essentially Don disowned his kids after they tried to take him to court because they didn't think that their mother got a fair settlement in the divorce. Right. Um, according to Carol, he at that point was so angry that he wanted to nullify the trust for the kids, but Carol convinced him not to do that in case he felt differently one day. Hmm. Um, so it makes her seem like a very good person in this story. Like Don's super mad and he's like, fuck those kids. And she's like, no, honey, let's like simmer for a little bit and see what happens. Right. Um, so that's basically the facts. So the reaction to what happened, um, many people, including Don's ex-wife, his grown children, um, his longtime assistant, Anne McQueen, suspect that Carol was involved in some way. Yep. Um, his daughters even speculate that she may have fed him to the tigers, and yeah. they were really mad that the police didn't test the DNA on the meat grinder at the sanctuary. That is an intense sentence. Um, <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and I was actually, so I was, I was curious about that, and 
looked up um, if she would even have to put them through a meat grinder. I literally mm. just Googled, do tigers <laughs> eat bones? Oh, cool. And I was linked to the YouTube page of the actual animal sanctuary itself that Carol is no in charge way. of right now. Yeah, Big Cat Rescue, their own YouTube. You can look on YouTube. It's called Big Cats Eating Bones? Question mark FAQ Friday. Basically, spoiler alert, big cats do indeed eat bones. No fucking way. It's actually apparently good for them because it kind of they'll chew on the bones and it like uh, brushes their teeth, kind of. According to like dogs, Carol Baskin's own tiger sanctuary. So that uh, it's is weird, amazing. Actually, weird that her sanctuary had a specific video about whether or not tigers can eat bones. So whoa, she wouldn't even have. Do you to remember the year on that video? I don't. Good question. Oh, dang, that's still pretty good though. Right. It's wild. That so. was like every episode I have something that I meant to Google and I didn't. And that was the one thing of this episode. So I'm really glad that you did that. I got you. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Yeah. Because they're, yeah, we'll maybe get into it a little bit more. But there's a lot of uh, contention over this idea that the tigers ate Don. Um, I believe Carol herself said that like there would have been something left of him. Like there were a few people that were like, that's not possible. Cause like they, you, there would still be bones. And then I remember being like, I was like, well, like I feel like tigers could eat bones. That video was uploaded two years ago. Whoa. That's yep. odd. But they regret that now. Yep. <laughs> yes. I bet hmm. so. Interesting. So, okay. So, um, Oh, and so uh, one of the highlights of the documentary is, all right. So Joe exotic, the tiger King, Yes. Uh, is also, well, he refers to himself as a musician, even though I'm pretty positive that he has like a ghost singer. Like it's not actually him singing. Oh, weird. He is like pretending to sing. He's acting it out, but he is like you, if you watch it, even if you just like watch one of the videos, it's clearly not, if you see him talking and then hear him sing in one of these videos, like it's clearly not his voice. Right. Um, and multiple times in the documentary, he, there's one scene where he's singing in like his truck while he's driving. And then there's another scene where he's singing at his husband's funeral. It's like, <laughs> I like really wish that you would watch this. Cause this like, that sounds so like benign, but if you watch it, it's so <laughs> bizarre. Um, but yeah, he's singing one of his songs at his husband's funeral and he's singing to a backing track of himself singing. Oh, weird. So he's like, like lips, not even <laughs> lip syncing, but just like singing yeah. over himself singing. Exactly. So, like, you could think, like, oh, okay, but, like, like in that moment, I'm like, okay, A, if that really is you singing, you don't need a track of yourself singing. Right. But, B, I feel like that, you know, the actual real singer in the background is, like, distracting from the fact that you clearly can't sing. Um, Very strange. So, uh, part of the, the insanity of the documentary is that Joe Exotic has it out for Carol, like, so hard. So, he runs this zoo, and he also has like an internet TV show that he does. Right. And a big topic in his TV show is basically just him talking shit about Carol Baskin and about how horrible she is and how she's accusing him of all this stuff, but she's doing the same stuff. But he, like the guy is unhinged and he regularly talks about killing her, says he wants to kill her. Like he has some scenes where he like literally has like a, like a blow up sex doll and he's like putting a dildo in her mouth and he's really, 
like not surprising that it's like a redneck from Oklahoma, but he's really into guns and explosives. So there's like multiple videos just out in the world that he like was okay being public um, of him, like having some, like he had like a, what looked like a, a dummy of some kind, like a plastic dummy or something. Right. And he was like shooting it and stuff, like saying that it was her, like just multiple, like overt references to wanting to literally kill her. Right. Um, but he had, he made a music video titled here, kitty, kitty. And it's like him singing like classic country singer look with like, I, I want to say he was wearing like a black, you know, like button down shirt with like the jeans yeah. and like the hat and everything. And it features a Carol Baskin lookalike feeding fake human body parts to a tiger while like laughing about it. Wow. It's insane. Like the music videos are all so low budget and shitty. And he like clearly loves it. Like he loves the attention. Um, it's uh, pretty awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. So he very clearly backs this idea. Um, and Don Lewis's daughter, Linda says that Carol apparently was the only person in the family who refused to take a lie detector test. Hmm. So, um, Carol believes that he staged his own disappearance. Interesting. Um, yeah, there's no evidence that he flew to Costa Rica, but Carol said that he lost his pilot's license almost immediately after getting it. There's no mention anywhere of why he lost it. Um, and so I guess he wouldn't, log his flights typically because he was doing so like every time he flew it was illegal um and then she claimed as well that like partly because of that he knew of ways that he could fly like under the radar essentially hmm. so that he wouldn't be seen and that he had a bad plane crash at some point that where he like was never quite the same afterwards that he had like these memory issues um hmm. so yeah, she kind of, and she almost in a way like would, there was like some, maybe it was a clip from like an older interview with her where she was kind of getting emotional thinking about like, what if he essentially like got lost somewhere along the way or like his plane crashed and he was still alive. And because of these memory issues, like didn't know how to get back home or didn't know where he came from. Interesting. Um, yeah, it was kind of like part of her, her story, her theory. Um, so yeah, so the Tiger King just came out and Carol just posted a long blog post entitled Refuting Netflix Tiger King um, on her Big Cat Rescue website. Um, amazingly enough, it looked like she actually posted it today, March 29th, or at least she updated it because it was dated today. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, she essentially said she went into filming Tiger King. The creators had told her at the time, like five years ago, um, that they wanted to create the big cat version of the documentary Blackfish, which was yeah. exposing abuse at SeaWorld. Um, that, you know, Tiger King was meant to kind of expose this breeding and exploitation of big cats among the zoo world. Um, but that she was disappointed when it came out and it kind of was very, um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know. Like it was really focused more on, these implications she killed her husband and it was kind of very sensational right is the word i'm looking for um and so she it's a long blog post and yeah i read the whole thing because i was like oh shit um so she refuted a whole bunch of different things that were brought up in the documentary and that we've talked about so far yeah um as you would 
As you would, yeah. Her side of things is, yeah, Don started showing some odd behavior in the few years before he disappeared. Um, possibly some signs of, like, mental deterioration. Um, so his former attorney, Joe Fritz, and then there's also a former business associate of his that in the documentary completely denied any memory loss on Don's part. Um, they were very much of the mind that he was completely there and knew what was going on. Um, but Carol said otherwise. Um, she said that he like originally would like occasionally buy vehicles or equipment or something at auction with plans to resell them. But in that few years before he started like hoarding a lot of stuff, um, and like was dumpster diving. She said that one time he even called her crying because he got stuck in a dumpster and didn't know where he was. Jesus. Yeah. Which Hmm. seems like, okay, we're going to get into this a little bit more, but it seems like if he was really that deep into kind of losing his memory and, getting that disoriented that like somebody else in his life would have noticed something. Yeah. That's like pretty dramatic. That's not just like, Oh, like forgetting where you put your keys down or whatever. That's like, you know, distressing to your life to the point where, yeah, like you wouldn't be able to just like keep that under wraps. Like even if you were obviously trying to be on like your best behavior around business partners or whatever, like you'd slip, like there would be slips. There'd be times when like you I don't know. I you're right. I think that that would have been a far more of a um, a, a well known thing in at least his immediate circle of like friends and business associates and stuff. Yeah, like it just seems right, like extreme enough that there's just no way that you could just be like, because that's not something you can control anyways. Like if you really had something going on that was out of your control, like you can't just be like, I'm gonna remember everything for this meeting or whatever. Like right. shit would just happen. Um, Hmm. so yeah, she kind of set up this, this idea. She, um, said that at the time that Alzheimer's was not a commonly used word. Um, she hadn't heard of it, but someone mentioned it to her as a possibility. And so she took Don to see a psychiatrist. Uh, he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. He apparently got a recommendation to have an MRI done, but she didn't realize that until after he disappeared, she was like going through some of his stuff and found the... She said that it was like a prescription, but I know that's not the right word, but it's like a right. like a referral to get an MRI. Right. Um, yeah, she claims his behavior got even stranger. Uh, he was refusing to use the bathroom and defecating outside, and he brought a homeless man to stay in their home, and then he disappeared before she could get him back to the psychiatrist. Um, so obviously... Wow, okay. Him potentially just like starting to take a shit outside is a little bit really odd Look, we've all we've all been there we've all gone through those periods <laughs> where we just want to shit outside <laughs> we've all done it at least he didn't shit in somebody else's home right that's you know, kind of best case scenario for that best case, yeah so yeah um so yeah it's talked about a lot in general and in the documentary that he was a millionaire when they met um like i said people in the documentary estimated his worth anywhere from like four million to twenty million um, she said that when they met, he was maybe worth like six figures and that he had come from a modest upbringing. And so maybe that felt rich to him. Right. Um, I mean, that would feel kind of rich to me too, but, oh yeah. uh, <laughs> that he only owned two real estate properties at the time 
and um, that no one, including Anne McQueen, has ever provided bank records or other evidence that he was worth more when they met. Hmm. So there's that. Um, Yeah, the way she described it was they were at the bank one day. Don overheard a bank officer say he had a $20,000 loan in default that he would be glad to sell for $2,000. She mentioned a couple times in her blog post that Don Lewis didn't know how to read, which is interesting to me. Huh. I don't really know how you manage that, but it's possible. Um, And so... Yeah, they ended up buying the loan, they foreclosed, sold the property for a profit, big profit, um, and that kind of got them into the real estate business. So that was kind of what they would do, was buy defaulted loans from banks, um, and they would also go to tax deed sales. And the way she worded it, too, was that she did research negotiations and title clearing. So it seemed like she was a very important, crucial part of this, almost like she was even setting up that like she was mostly responsible. Hmm. In a way, like, yeah, we got all this wealth, but it was primarily me. Interesting. Um, and so, yeah, they ended up building up their portfolio of properties that was worth about $5 million when he disappeared. <clears throat> um, so the way she says it is that they separated, she separated the properties, um, which were in trusts, into one trust where those were all the properties that she was involved in and then a second trust that was ones that she was not. So properties that he had bought or sold or whatever before he met her. Um, So the ones that she was not involved in were set up with his children as beneficiaries. And then she was the beneficiary to the trust with their joint property ventures. Hmm. Um, So again, the way that she's angling, this is like, she wasn't withholding anything from his kids that wasn't due to them. She had them as beneficiaries for the trust with, you know, basically the things that, yeah, the Carol wasn't a part of. Um, she tried to discredit Anne McQueen a bit who Anne McQueen wasn't like a central part of the documentary, but she came up quite a bit. Right. Um, and she was kind of portrayed as like his trusted assistant of many years, like 18 years, maybe. Right. Um, Carol says that Anne McQueen was caught embezzling roughly 600,000 in properties by buying them with Don and Carol's funds and putting them in her name just a few months before he disappeared. So her whole thing was just like, can't really trust what she says um right and then she said that this there's a man that in the documentary that did a lot of like property maintenance and he was kind of like a business associate of don's um was a con man she said that he would like take advantage of don's dementia by doing things like saying to don like hey what about that two thousand you owe me and because Don had cash on him all the time, would just like peel $2,000 off his roll of cash and give it to him. Jeez. And then like a few hours later, this associate would do the same thing. Like, hey, what about that 2000 you owe me? And Don wouldn't remember already giving it to him. So he'd do it again. Wow. Um, and then apparently Carol confronted the man about this. And then that kind of set that associate off on like trying to drive a wedge between them. Um, and also she claimed that like this man would again, take advantage of Don's memory issues and his inability to read and would like give him pieces of paper that was like, Hey, here's a deed to like a property I want to sell you. And Don couldn't read it. So he would just sign it and be like, sweet. And then give this guy a bunch of money for it. Ah, that makes sense. So that's not cool either. No. Um, but again, this is who knows, who knows. Um, and she claims regarding the, 
him being sued about the divorce settlement. So essentially, yeah, like he wasn't, wasn't faithful. Gladys, his ex-wife at some point, like wanted to marry this guy from her church. So she basically came to Don and was like, Hey, can we just do a quick divorce and just do like a million dollar settlement or whatever? Um, so that she could marry this guy. This was in 1989. Um, and so, yeah, said she wanted to settle for a million her and the daughters like worked with him to pick some properties and cash and cars and jewelry that she wanted. Um, and that was that. And then apparently Don's oldest daughter, Donna lost a bunch of it in the stock market crash. And so in 1996 years later, Gladys apparently filed a suit claiming that she was entitled to more. So hmm. that was, that's Carol's story about that. Um, and then her story about the restraining order. Oh my God. There's like so much, so much, so much in this blog post. Um, so her thing was Don would spend like one week per month in Costa Rica. She said he was like a crazy sex fiend. He wanted to have sex every day. And so he would choose the week of Carol's period to go to Costa Rica. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, she said that like, that was just something I had to like learn to deal with. Hmm. Um, she said when he was gone, she would haul off a bunch of the like junk that he was hoarding on the property. Right. And at some point that business associate told Don what she was doing and Don contacted the police and they basically told him that the only way to stop her would be to file a restraining order. Interesting. So he had to come yeah. up with like a reason for the restraining order. Exactly. Interesting. Okay. And so she says that Anne McQueen had the copy of the restraining order, but and so, yeah, he went missing August 18th, but Anne McQueen didn't bring out that copy of the order until September 9th um, when she sprung it on Carol during a court hearing to try to have herself appointed as the conservator of their estate. Um, and then Carol claims that Anne later admitted to her privately that he she knew why Don had the restraining order requested and that it wasn't because she tried to or threatened to kill him. Right. Um, so... And okay, two more points. Oh my God. There's so much. Uh, Okay, so one of the weird things they brought up in the documentary was that at the, there's a sentence at the top of the documents, the uh, like power of attorney documents, stating that, quote, this durable family power of attorney shall not be affected by any disability or disappearance. Oh, weird. Um, Yeah. So Don Lewis's attorney, who was in the documentary, said, that in his 37 years of practice, he had never seen anyone's power of attorney specifically mentioned disappearance. Um, so Carol in this blog post admits that, yeah, that is really weird, but that Don would tell her all the time about people going to Costa Rica and disappearing and that their Costa Rican attorney said that there was this group called the helicopter brothers that were like the local version of the mafia and mm. that Don had been loaning them money so she included that word in the power of attorney because he was like telling her that this is a thing that happened all the time. Interesting. Um, yeah. And then her last thing was, and this is the one I have the most issue with. Um, so obviously Joe exotics thing is just that she fed him to the tigers, but right. there's also again, the theory that she ground him up in the meat grinder and yes. fed him that way. Um, her claim is that in the documentary they showed a much larger meat grinder when 
She says in reality, they used like this tiny tabletop meat grinder, like one you'd have at home, Hmm. that the meat had to be cut into one inch cubes before grinding. So again, not a tiger feeding expert, but I have to fucking think if they had as many cats as they had, like in her blog post, she included like just a, you know, stock photo from online of a small tabletop meat grinder. And I just have to think like, there's no way that you would like, why would you use one that small? If you have that many cats that you have to feed, Oh yeah. what I imagine is like a large quantity of meat, like pounds and pounds and pounds, like maybe hundreds of pounds of meat, like throughout between all the cats that there's no way you would tie up paid workers or volunteers with like hours and hours worth of meat grinding when, why would you not invest in like a bigger industrial meat grinder for something like that? Yeah. So a tiger eats between 10 and 25 pounds per day. So like if you had to grind 25 pounds of meat per tiger and they had a shit ton of tigers, that would not be an economical way to do it. No, there's no way. Like she did have a lot of volunteers, but it just doesn't make sense that you would like tie up. Like that would literally just have to be somebody's sole job that they would come in and like for 10 hours just grind meat all day. Yeah. Does not make it does sense. not make sense. So that to me seemed like I don't know, almost like she was trying to disprove that possibility so extremely that she ended up making it more suspicious because it's like wait a fucking second. Right. You're telling me somebody cuts up meat into one inch cubes and grinds it all fucking day long? Like, no. I don't buy that. So, that was basically the extent of her refuting. She obviously maintains her innocence, doesn't know what happened to him. Like like I said, she suspects that he set up his own disappearance, but she really doesn't have any idea. Um, So, Hmm. it's worth... Random but worth mentioning that in the documentary she so she is currently married to a different guy now. Right. Um, I can't remember his name. He seems like a really nice guy, but like also like a little bit of a pushover, if that makes sense. Oh, uh, okay. Um, which is maybe what she prefers more, I don't know. Right. Uh in one scene, like she says something I can't remember the context, but she says something like, You always follow me and like shoots him like this really weird look of like almost like you fucking better. Huh. And then they showed their wedding photos and like they got married on the beach. And and so part of Carol's whole thing is that she literally has like an entire closet full of cat print clothing, like Oof. of all kinds, everything. Um, so again, she's very eccentric. And in their wedding photos, like he, the current husband is legit like wearing a collar. She's like leading him around on a leash in a couple of these photos. Like, Obviously, it's like a funny, just like, haha, but <laughs> it was like just in the context of all of this is like, uh, Oops, yeah, all right. Hmm. So, yeah, wow. them's them's the facts. Well, I don't know if those are all facts, but them's right. the uh, more solid pieces of information. Jeez, there's just like so much, but yeah. So the way I kind of think about it, I feel like there's three possibilities okay either he disappeared like kind of on his own like he decided to like leave and either he moved to costa rica or he actually did have the memory problems and is just living somewhere and doesn't know who he is or who he was um Mm. so that's one possibility other possibility is that 
Carol Baskin either killed him or had him killed and then may or may not have fed him to the tigers. Basically, she had the hand in his death. Or he was doing some other unsavory something like bootlegging or running drugs to Costa Rica or doing something illegal and got killed in the process of doing that. And for once, I don't have just like one theory where I'm like, oh, it's it's got to be that. I feel like there's a case to be made for all three of those theories. Right. Yeah. I, I basically like my theory section of my notes. Yeah. has like more sections than usual um, <laughs> because I feel like even within those three options, there's like multiple versions of those. Oh, yeah. Which is fucked. Like, so, yeah. Okay. Like starting with he disappeared right like isn't dead but he was gone so there's somebody there was like a couple mentions so as usual i like went through a lot of reddit threads about this because it's just it can be interesting to like see what are other people saying about theories like what are people what evidence are people putting together to come up with something um so somebody said in one of the threads like maybe they knew that they were unhappy and they like agreed that he would leave her a good chunk of money and he would take some money and like disappear and start a new life. I feel like that seems to me like the least likely possibility Hmm. that they just like came to an agreement and were like, you know what? Like you have this mistress down in Costa Rica and I just want to run the sanctuary and we don't have the same ideas as far as this goes. So like, why don't you just go and be in Costa Rica? Like you love it down there. And I'll stay here with the cats, which I love because it didn't seem, I mean, not that he was not liking the cats, but it definitely didn't seem like he was as into the cats as she was. Right. It was almost like a money making scheme for him. Yeah. Like he liked that it made the money and was like, cool, this is like a business, but she was really into it for the animals. Right. Um, And obviously she's like a big advocate of fair treatment of animals and all this stuff. So that was Hmm. like kind of her jam. So that was like one theory of him disappearing was like, I guess the happiest best case scenario right. theory is like, oh, nice. Like they just, you know, parted ways amicably and she was just like, see you later. Hmm. Um, and he was nice enough to leave her like 5 million or whatever. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a possibility. I don't know that I totally buy that one. He doesn't strike me as the kind of person who would be like that generous with his money. If he's dumpster diving for food. No. I don't feel like he would give up, you know, that much money just so he can go like I feel like he would have just divorced her and just disappeared or whatever like I feel like if he was intentionally trying to like disappear he would have found a way to take his money with him I don't think he would have just abandoned it right yeah it it does seem like that part definitely if he's the type of like maybe I would feel differently if I think I've heard that multiple times about like very wealthy people about you know them having a ton of money but like not spending like it always they mentioned a couple times in the documentary about like how he just wore like the same jeans and t-shirt most days right where it's like they're spending money on the things that they really want to spend money on but they're very frugal otherwise right so yeah it does not seem like a person to me that would just be like sure here's five million yeah i don't i don't buy that i mean maybe maybe they had a better relationship but it seems like given, you know, him lodging that sort of like those documents like, oh, if anything ever happens to me, make sure these get out. 
that plus the restraining order where she threatened to kill him. Like, it just seems like they didn't have a super great, loving, trusting relationship. So I don't think, I don't know. Right. I don't buy that one. Well, yeah, because I feel like, so obviously either the restraining order thing was legit and she had threatened to kill him maybe multiple times. Then that obviously indicates a bad marriage or even right. if he, her story was true and she did, he was filing it just to get her to like not touch his shit while he's gone. And like him leave, like him going away for a week while she's on her period. Like, so isn't the implication there that he's going to have sex in Costa Rica? <laughs> yes. Like hundred percent. If he can't go a week without having sex. Yeah. He like one. for sure. Right. So that still isn't like, so he's down in Costa Rica banging somebody else and then she's like getting rid of all of his junk. And then he's like filing a restraining order to get her to not touch his stuff. Like that doesn't seem like a great situation either. No. So no matter which way that goes, like it's still not a good relationship. So yeah, I don't see them coming to like an amicable thing unless somehow they were both like just as scared of each other that they were like, you know what? Sure. But I just, that one doesn't, doesn't no. sit with me. Um, so there's another version of him disappearing, which is maybe he was afraid of her and wanted to escape. Um, hmm. Again, if she was actually threatening to kill him, if she had told him she was going to shoot him, there was some mention of like him having a gun that she took from him or something like that. So if he was legitimately scared for his life, maybe he wanted to escape. But then the question is like, why would he leave all of his money Unless maybe he didn't. Um, his associate that was on Tiger King mentioned how like Don would stash money and gold bars everywhere. He would hide money all over the place. Um, that like his associate didn't even know all the places where it was hidden. Right. So maybe Carol wasn't even aware of how much money he had. So maybe he did have way more than five million and he essentially left what was in the bank account, took a lot of his other hidden money. And maybe that was kind of part of how he was able to escape because they assumed like, oh, well, he must be dead or like truly lost because he wouldn't have left his money here. But maybe he didn't leave all of his money there. Interesting. But I feel like that's you know? still, no matter how much he had, you know, even if you take the upper limit of what that person suggested and said it was $20 million, that's, you know, yeah. what she ended up with five to $8 million, the uh, Carol did after he was declared dead. It was like, yeah, like five. Yeah, so that's still that's a you know a quarter of his entire um, finances. Like I don't, he doesn't strike me as the type who would leave that behind willingly. I think he would have found a way to get that money. You know, and right. he doesn't. You know, if he's yeah, he has that much money. He definitely has the resources to be able to figure out a way to take that with him. He could just like buy a new identity, drain his bank accounts, and be out of there before Carol even knew it. He had the resources to do it. Right. I don't know. I don't yeah. buy that. I don't know. Yeah, and it, it seems odd that he would have left his van in plain sight of the airport, like if he really wanted to, unless that was like throwing it off somehow, like to make people think he flew somewhere, but he didn't. But it still just feels odd that, I don't know, that he like he wouldn't have had to, like he could have put that van anywhere. Right. Yeah, it, that seems like a little on the nose. It almost seems like you're literally trying to like, you know, set up like, oh, like, like I guess frame isn't the right way but that's almost what you're trying to do is like frame the fact that like oh clearly he went to the airport and left 
because here's his van with the keys still in it yeah. and his, um, what's it called? The uh, briefcase there as well. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems a little, seems a little on the nose. Seems a little like you're trying to set up, yeah. set up that whole narrative that he left on a plane. Exactly. Like, yeah, I don't know. So there's also, so his associate also mentioned something in the documentary. So the last thing Don said to his associate was like, the way the guy described it was that they were kind of just like working on a project together and seemingly kind of out of nowhere, Don said, if I pull this off, it'll be the slickest thing I ever did. Hmm. And the associate said that he just like got the feeling when Don said that, that there was like more information coming, but Don never like finished that thought. And for whatever reason, they like split up. And then he said like, that was the last time he saw him. So was he referencing him escaping Carol? Like, was he, he already had land down in Costa Rica. He maybe already had a mistress or two. Right. Maybe he started like funneling money down there and then bam, like maybe the restraining order request was his way of like setting up Carol to take the fall and kind of take the focus off of finding him if he disappeared and she had no idea that he'd left and she had, he had that restraining order kind of, you know, that's like documented proof essentially right. that people would assume like, Oh, well, Carol must've done something to him. We don't really need to look that hard for him because clear, like we're looking for a body, not a living person. Right. And, um, yeah. So, hmm. Yeah, it's okay. also worth mentioning the associate that said that he heard him say that about, like, the slickest thing I ever did. Uh, that was the same man who helped Carol break into the office to change the power of attorney paperwork. She, like, cut the locks to get into the office. Huh. So that adds That's a layer suspicious. of... Yeah. So it's like there's just so much going on. So um, there's a theory that he crashed over the Gulf of Mexico. Like, basically innocent plane crash. Didn't mean to do it, but did it. Um, Yeah, the former attorney, Joe Fritz, told the Tiger King producers that he believed that Don Lewis possibly went to Costa Rica to go check out a plane. So there's a theory, like, did he buy the plane, flew the seller back to their home, and then crashed? Um, Hmm. If he was flying under the radar, if there was no documentation that he went on this flight at all there's maybe not a great chance they would find the wreckage of his plane. Right. Yeah. So maybe he like legit just something went wrong with the plane or whatever. Maybe something happened to him physically and he, the plane went down and like nobody knew where he was and nobody knew where to look. And so it was like, well, like you're not going to do this massive search to find some plane wreckage unless you have some indication that he actually crashed his plane. Right, exactly. Like, you're not going to use those resources. So nobody searched for his plane anywhere like that. Hmm. So. Can, yeah, the plane the plane crash thing seems relatively plausible given his penchant for buying so many planes. The fact that he alluded to being able to, like, fly under the radar, quote-unquote. Um, yeah. I could buy that. The yeah. plane crash, either he, yeah, he was on his way back or he was on his way to Costa Rica to do something else, whether it's actually was to sell cars or whatever in Costa Rica, or maybe he was running something else. Maybe he was running drugs or something, or smuggling some other illegal something. 
Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, the next theory is that he was involved in something a little darker than just properties and cars. Um, right. He lived in Florida. This was like, what, late, what did I say, late 80s? No, early 90s? Late 90s. Yeah. Wow. Late 90s. Late 90s. <laughs> um, he, yeah, living in Florida with a large chunk of money, flying his own private planes, making regular trips back and forth to Costa Rica. Maybe he was uh, running some cocaine. Yeah. That would make a lot of sense, honestly. You know? He, um, like, would fit the bill of being inconspicuous. He was just an average-looking dude with, like, thrifted clothing who yep. would look twice at him. Right. And he had like what? Like he, I think it said he owned like a 200 acre farm in Costa Rica as well as like various apartments around Costa Rica. Yeah. Which is mad suspicious. Like having an apartment, if you, if you vacation there a lot, having a single apartment there makes sense because you're, you know, you don't want to rent a hotel every time. But having like a 200 acre farm right. plus multiple apartments, that's drug lord shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, definitely fit the bill to be. Like, and that would, it would like almost make sense in a way that just for him being this like bizarre eccentric dude that like, of course he'd be running cocaine and then like coming back home to Florida to like hang out at his animal sanctuary. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a big thing with like people involved in the drug trade is they love like big cats and tigers and stuff. They, it, it must be some kind of like, you know, almost like virtue signaling that like, oh, I can, you know keep control over these like big animal, these like big, like dangerous hunters because like I'm even bigger than them or whatever. You know, Pablo Escobar had a whole yeah. private zoo, ton of drug lords. I think El Chapo might've even had some like tigers or whatever. So the whole drug lord slash big cat owner thing is definitely not unheard of in the world of drug running and drug smuggling. So maybe he was even smuggling yeah, big cats into Costa Rica. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, I didn't even think about smuggling the cats themselves. Right. Shit. Hmm. It like never crossed my mind. I don't know why I never thought that like something happened to him involving the actual cats. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe like it's because a lot of the things I read just made it seem like, I mean, it definitely sounded like he got into the cats initially, like when they first started getting them. But it did almost make it sound like not that he was just like the finance behind the whole thing, but just like it, they played it almost more like, I don't know, like he was into it because Carol was into it. Right. Not necessarily like that. It was his thing. And obviously Carol had a lot more like passion for it and drive behind it. And she had like, I don't know. Yeah. A lot more. I don't know. Just seemed like it was much more her thing. But maybe he was also really into it. And maybe, yeah, maybe that was his side thing, making money was... I mean, there was definitely a lot of talk in the documentary about various people selling, like, the kittens and stuff to people all over the country. So it definitely was a potential to make a lot of money, was this breeding. Yeah. So, I mean, like, and if, you know, I'm sure there's tons of regulations as to, like, wildlife you can bring into like bring from the United States to Costa Rica or, um, you know, maybe there's just a lot of like taxes involved with doing so or uh, who knows. So maybe he was, his specialty was smuggling those animals into Costa Rica illegally because he had experience flying his planes, quote unquote, under the radar. And that was his sort of like side hustle that got him or kept him rich. Maybe he did legitimately make his money 
um, in real estate and whatnot, but he eventually started smuggling the animals once that became more of an avenue for him. Yeah. Makes sense. Yes, he was either a cocaine smuggler or a cat smuggler. (laughs) Maybe both. Maybe both. Yeah, hell. Maybe both. So that's another theory. And then, of course, the, the favorite theory among everybody um, is that Carol killed him or had him killed. Yes. Um, I polled Instagram. So I checked the poll shortly before we started trying to get this recording. It took us like an hour to right. get this all set up, by the way. Yes, it did. Now we know better, but dang. Okay. So a couple hours ago, I polled Instagram and it was 30 to one in favor of her killing him. Wow. Um, shout out to my friend, Sarah, who was the only no response. Interesting. Did not think that Carol killed him. But um, so the two options I think are she either killed him for his money. Yeah. Um, yeah. His associate claimed that Don wanted a divorce, um, that Don believed that Carol wanted his money and he was setting up his assets to get a divorce and like leave her with nothing. Um, and I think part of also that too is the second option is that she wanted to have full power over the sanctuary. So yeah. like which that has to do with his money as well. Not necessarily that she like married him for money and then wanted his money and was going to do anything to get it. But maybe like when it got to the point where they were like butting heads over the sanctuary and he was already wandering around sleeping with other women, um, that maybe kind of like her moral imperative was so strong that when she was faced with the idea that he might divorce her and take all the money and that, he would take over the sanctuary and she wouldn't be able to have anything to do with it anymore. Cause she'd have no money to do anything that right. maybe that was like enough that she was like, fuck this guy. That makes a lot of sense too. That's very on brand for both of them that like, she right? just really wanted to take care of them and he would be cutting her out for like some sort of profit incentive. And so she did it partially because she just seems kind of, you know, kind of crazy and um, like she doesn't take no for an answer ever. But oh yeah, that she was doing it like for like the love of the animals, and that he was doing it just for the profit. That's like very on brand for both of them, right? Like, I could definitely see, especially once she got deep into it. Like by the time they had the sanctuary, like we said, they had two hundred different cats, and who knows how many that was like when they first opened it in what did I say, nineteen ninety two? So by this point that was like several years in, they maybe even had more cats than that. And like I said, I mean, you can tell from the documentary, like just seeing this woman in action, like she is very much intensely into these animals. So I could see that the idea of losing that and especially losing it, like not losing it to somebody who you're disagreeing with on other things, but you know, they're going to like take good care of them and things are going to be okay. But if she thought that, he was going to divorce her for whatever reason. And he was going to take over all the money and she was going to have nothing. And the sanctuary would be lost. And maybe he'd sell those animals. Maybe he would take over and start breeding them and doing what she hated, which was the things that like Joe exotic was doing. Um, as far as like, yeah, like just being focused on the exploitation and yeah, like having people come in and take pictures with these babies and stuff, which is really shitty. Like it's such a shitty thing because you don't, think about it like when you think about it for more than a few minutes you're like obviously this is wrong but of course when you think about it on the surface somebody running something like that 
and bringing people in because they do it under the guise of like it's education and you know people are getting like a firsthand experience with these animals and they're seeing how they live and whatever but when you really think about it like there's a scene in tiger king when probably the only time i like really cringed was there was like a tiger giving birth and there's like these little kittens like tiny little newborn kittens and joe was like pulling them away from the mom like literally as soon as they were born he was kind of like he was on the other side of a fence and he was like pulling them with like i can't remember what kind of like tool he was using but it was like not like a stick but like a like a hook type of thing so he could like grab the kitten and like pull it towards the bottom of the fence and then was like squeezing this kitten underneath like this fucking metal like jagged metal fence to like get it out of there and i was like dude really like i don't know anything about that whole like if there's some reason why they like separate the babies immediately to if that's something i don't know to like make them less wild you know what i mean like if they have to break that bond or something but i was like regardless of the reason that's like just cruel oh yeah like you're you're not doing it for like a good reason that benefits the tiger you're doing it for some shitty reason that benefits you as a human yeah it's just i don't know like and then when you think about it like these poor babies and like tigers in general just having people come in constantly and like holding them and touching them and like just people all day taking pictures of them like that is not the way they're supposed to live no so like i could see that maybe if carol was faced with that decision especially if like her and Don were already having a rocky time and she was like, okay, if I don't do something about this, I'm going to lose all of these animals and they're going to go into the hands of somebody who's going to do the thing that I hate that maybe she, maybe it wasn't even a calculated thing. Maybe it was like a very spur of the moment, like just bash him over the head or something and was like, whoops, like, well, (laughs) got to cover this up. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Fed him to the tigers or, like uh, Joe Joe Exotic was not very consistent because his other theory was that there was a uh, like a septic tank I think on the property of the sanctuary and yeah his whole thing was that like yeah the septic tank was under a building and that like she had placed him like in the septic tank or whatever he was like I guarantee you like if the law went out and like checked underneath that they would find him um, the law yeah referred to them as the law and. I mean, or just the fact that, like, they were on 40 acres of land in Florida. Like, I guarantee you the police, they did not canvas every inch of that land for his body. Like, there's just no way. Oh, yeah. They didn't really have any indication that there was foul play. So, like, it's not like they had proof. They didn't find his blood or anything to, like, know there's a body somewhere. So, like, there's just no way. So, even if she didn't feed him to the tigers, which would have been a perfect way to get rid of him, really. Right. Like, she could have just buried him anywhere on that property and, like, oh, well. Right. Yeah. His his bones are probably still there. Interesting. Yeah. (laughs) You know, Uh, so. I feel like, I feel like the most likely is that she probably had something to do with his death. Carol Baskin probably had something to do with it. Whether it was something, like you said, like, spur of the moment, she just hit him over the head and then had to deal with it. And then either ground him up or buried him in a septic tank or fed him to the tigers, whatever. Um, I feel like that's the most likely because it requires, it's, you know, Occam's razor. It requires the least amount of logical leaps, you know, like given what Mm. we know about both the character of Don and the character of Carol, her having some 
part in it makes the most sense. I don't think he had a hand in his own disappearance because of all the money that was left behind. And the whole idea of him, Mm -hmm. you know, smuggling drugs or, you know, exotic animals is possible, but there's no evidence for it. So I feel like it's a logical leap to say that. So I'm going to, I'm going to come down and say that I think she had something to do with his death. Yeah, honestly, I, like I said, I don't, there's definitely been a lot that's like been painting her as like evil or even, like I said, even painting her as like somebody who premeditated this. I don't know that I believe that she like planned it to that extent. I think maybe there was what you might, like I wouldn't really call it premeditation, but what if, again, if she knew that there was talk of divorce, if he like, what if he had threatened her? Not threatened her, but, like, if he had just been, like, you know what, like, I'm done with this, like, I'm gonna get all of my shit together and, like, we're gonna, like, this is gonna be it. If there had been any indication like that and she kind of, like, was able to run over the scenario over and over in her head and was, like, you know, spiraling and panicking about, like, oh, shit. Right. This is gonna happen and, like, what am I gonna do? I don't have the money on my own to take over the sanctuary. Like, I'm gonna lose the whole thing. And she started thinking about those animals and what was going to happen. And yeah, like maybe it was just they had like a fight one day and she got mad enough. Maybe he threatened something specific or it just became really real or she was just really mad. And she had like had all this time that she was already spiraling and then just something happened. Like I definitely don't think that she planned it out and like plotted this whole thing. and was like, yeah, I'm going to kill him. I think right. it was, it seems more likely that it was like a moment of passion. I have to agree. Like it doesn't, she doesn't seem like the type who would just like maliciously do it. I, it feels like, you know, given her character, it was, it probably had to do with saving the animals or something for like the sake of the animals. Given what I know about her, right. which, you know, yeah, at least I hope that's what happened. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then even if she killed him and if it was like a momentary like, oh shit, and she regretted it and was like, oh my God, she probably also had the thought of like, if I admit that I killed him or am caught with any evidence whatsoever, then the end result is maybe not the same, but like, I don't know what would have happened to those animals if she like went to prison. They right. wouldn't have stayed there, most likely, like, if she didn't have things set up for, like, somebody to take over for her, or even if she did, if there wasn't anybody with, like, the financial means to do that, then maybe she was faced with the same thing of, like, shit, if I go to prison, these animals are just going to be on their own, and who knows where they're going to go, they're all going to get split up, like, I don't know. There could have just still been, like, this panic of, like, oh, shit, I can't, can't let this happen. Yeah, I mean, she's seen, kind of, from the inside, what the industry is like, so she knows you know, some of her tigers and big cats and stuff would probably end up in the hands of people like Joe Exotic who are only doing it for the money and they aren't doing it for, like, the love of the animals. So it would make sense that, you know, heat of the moment, kills him, and then she's like, oh, shit, now I really have to cover this up because I can't go to jail because what will happen to all my animals? Which I totally, I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I'm definitely of the the mindset sometimes that like not that killing can be excused, but like it things aren't so black and white that every murder out there is like some premeditated thing that somebody just did because they like enjoy killing. Like not that this guy necessarily deserved to die, but I could see, I don't know, 
I have to think that we need to like be able to get into the minds of people a little bit and think like, how would I feel if I had that many animals under my care? And if I felt like I was uniquely equipped to take care of them in, again, in the world of what this is, if with her knowing, like you said, like intimate details of how other places handled things, maybe even other sanctuaries handled things, but definitely like zoos and things that were more for profit. And she had this like deeply instilled fear of like, I have to take care of these animals at all costs. And these were like very important to her that that, yeah, it could drive somebody to do something a little bit intense. Oh yeah. So yeah, I think I I also land on, she did something. I don't think she's evil and I don't think this is like a thing that she does. She's going to like kill her current husband and like kill everybody. I think she just, I think something happened and she was desperate. Yeah. I agree. And shit happens, man. And that that dude, maybe some tiger had like a really sweet meal. Right. Oh, I wonder if he tasted good though. Nice. Ugh. I know. I like can't even handle the idea of eating a person, but No oh, God. I gotta no. think like animals don't give a fuck. Yeah. Meat's meat. Like they might want to care. Yeah, they're just like mm. fucking expired uh Walmart meat. Yeah, right. Yeah, like those tigers maybe know they're like buddies over at Joe Exotic's place and they're like, dude, yeah, you got like old chicken that was sitting in a dumpster and I got like a fresh ass human. Ugh, Sweet. Wow. <laughs> nice warm human. Yeah. Wild so story. Yeah. So it might like be interesting even if you watched Tiger King after like having done this research, I think you'd go into it a little differently. Yeah. No, for sure. Cause probably well, I now. had no clue. Oh man. It's so good. <laughs> it's just so wild. Like you just need to Joe exotic alone. Like it's worth watching just for him. But like every character in that show is just like unbelievable. I mean, just doing the research, like and tangentially reading about it, it's like, what the fuck kind of story can this even be? Yeah. Just even just looking at pictures of Joe exotic is like, what is happening? <laughs> He's- I've seen pictures of him and it's exactly, exactly what I pictured. Yeah, it's incredible. It's like amazing how things like this come onto the scene and like immediately become a huge thing. Like I have seen mentions of Tiger King so many times in the past week. Oh yeah. It's everywhere. So, yeah. So, there we go. Our first ever relevant to like today's events episode. Wow. Disappearance yeah. of Don Lewis. Yeah. So, that's it. You got any other thoughts? You know, I really don't. Just that it's just been a wild ride from beginning to end. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, I hope that the tigers are doing well. That's all I really care about. Humans, you know, I, I do care about humans, but in this case, I hope the tigers are okay. Yeah. That's my biggest concern too. Yeah. I just hope. Yeah. It makes you think, I mean, I've never liked zoos or anything like that, but it definitely makes me think more about that kind of stuff. Like just, yeah, like it can be cool to go see animals, but I'd way rather see animals in a less close up hands on way. If it means that they are treated well. Exactly. And I know even an animal in a sanctuary isn't an animal out in the wild, but I'm glad that sanctuaries exist for the sake of like these animals can't be in the wild right now, or it's unsafe for them to be, or whatever the reason is, if they're injured or, being rehabilitated or something like it's nice that they have a place to be. So yeah, I 
definitely don't agree with the whole breeding and, and exploiting thing. It just, right. It's a good example. Like we've seen too many examples lately of humans being very selfish and yes. short sighted in the sense of like, I want this thing. Like, yeah, of course, probably every human in the world wants to hold a fucking baby tiger. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Cause they're but, adorable. Yeah. They're adorable. And like, yeah, it, there is like part of the documentary is a lore too, is that like, you just see how every person in the documentary maybe was like normal until the moment they held a baby tiger. And then they just like went batshit. Like yeah. how it changes people so quickly and how people get so obsessed with it is honestly makes me want to hold one more. But also not because I'm like, I can see how it just changes these people's lives. Like overnight, they're just like, shit, like I don't ever want to do anything else besides hold these tigers. And I'm like, whoa, like, but like you said, maybe that's the idea that like, this is this wild animal and that especially if you are working alongside them for a long time and you kind of have them like tamed and they trust you, like it's like you have tamed this wild beast, like you have control over it, which really is just an illusion because you don't because that animal can kill you in two seconds. But oh, yeah. And probably still wants to. Yeah, maybe still wants to. But there's just this idea. Yeah, because like the one guy in the documentary, he would take these kittens to Vegas and would like sneak them up to people's rooms in like a suitcase so that people could like pay to hang out in their hotel room in Vegas with fucking baby tigers and would like take all these pictures with them. And like, of course, it was like this huge thing because like, oh, my God, how cool, like the peak of I don't know yeah like weird exotic like rich people thing to do is like yeah. to have a baby tiger in your Las Vegas hotel room um, and like just take pictures with it yeah like just take just have pictures like for Instagram and like just to show off what you were doing that this was like a very not easily attainable thing you have to like have the right connection or have the like enough money or whatever to be able to do this thing that like I mean how many people in the world have held a baby tiger probably not that many Right. So you're kind of like doing this super cool exclusive thing. So I don't know. But then that mindset is also just fucked. Cause yeah, it's just like, I will, I don't care about this animal as long as I look good doing it. As long as I get a good picture for the gram. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. I'll probably never hold a baby tiger, which is no, unless you want to move to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, don't want to <laughs> do it that badly. Don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want to do anything that badly. Sorry to anybody listening who lives in Florida. Sorry for many reasons. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not, I'm not sorry for insulting the state. I'm sorry that you live there. I'm sorry that you live there. Please move. <laughs> oh, I'm Unless sure there must be parts of it that are nice. Unless you're, I mean, yeah, maybe you're into it. They're, I do, I have a couple of friends who live in Florida. They don't seem like they hate it. Look, people who know, who live in Florida, probably know what we're talking about better than we do, so... They probably do. They probably understand. Yeah, I'm not judging you as a person. I'm just judging the state. Exactly. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah. So that was good. First episode about tigers. Yep. Pretty solid. All right. Well. Been a wild ride. Let us know what you think. Have you seen Tiger King? Do you love it? Do you think that Carol killed her husband? Do you think he just disappeared? Is his plane wreckage somewhere off the Gulf of Mexico? Or do you have a completely different theory? Right. Maybe there's something we didn't even think of. Let us know. Let us know in the comments. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, find us on Patreon. Find us on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Come chat and enjoy 
episode 41 of Unknowable. Unknowable. Love you. <laughs>